We're back. What's up? On the Whoa. podcast. <laughs> we have to speak up. <laughs> Guys, um, I'm very happy that, first of all, Aaron is back on the podcast. And, of course, we have a billboard charting musician. Musician is stretching it. For the first time <laughs> on the Best of Meets podcast. Mr. Sean Warner, what's up? Hey. And Mr. Aaron, welcome back to the jungle. (laughs) Recipe. So that marks the first musician coming back to the podcast, actually. Really? Yeah, man. So uh, we had a really really deep conversation last time, and I think it triggered a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, I got a lot of people on the side sending me messages like, yeah, no, I don't agree with what Aaron was saying. And, you know, I think if I were you, I would be sitting there and I'd be telling him A, B, C, D, and... So I thought I'd bring you back on and uh, be more controversial this time. But there's always people like that, right? I mean, you watch the World Cup and everyone's uh, everyone's a coach. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> everyone is a coach, <laughs> you know? But hey. Well, one thing you guys have in common is that you just both dropped, um, well, you dropped an album, you dropped a single. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean, you know, your album was kicking ass, right? I mean, wherever I look it's on, on social media today, I see Sean Warner wherever I look and... And that's amazing. Your PR drive for this album has been fantastic. Um, so I made the mistake after the first album, thinking my work was done when I left the studio. Right. And that was like stupid. Right. Like it's music business. It's not music hobby. Right. It's not just music <laughs> end of story. It's music business. Right. So like kind of thing when creative stuff is done, you have to go into business mode and go, well, how are people going to hear about it? Like playing it in my car when I'm giving people lifts to the metro doesn't really constitute <laughs> trying to generate an audience. So yeah, for this one I tried to make sure that things were in place. Right. Um, but that's way way tougher than writing the music, and it's way more of a grind. Right. And it's way less thankful and way less rewarding. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's good that you think that the album is everywhere and that people are hammering it. Well, if anybody follows you, I mean, and you should follow. Sean and Aaron <laughs> plugging you guys throughout the um, like, which t- I don't want to give too much attention to one channel right, yeah, yeah. Hey, no, we'll, we'll hey, get there cool. I'm gonna, yeah, that's cool um, but I mean I'm seeing MTV Brazil MTV uh, Asia MTV Europe MTV, so it's it's a good drive man it's uh, it's getting out there and I want to know is it actually drinking, trickling down to listens and to downloads and to purchases and do you see that um, picking up Purchases, not really. Like okay. when it comes out, like you get a good run because your friends and family and extended people and the people that like really support support, and you get like you might make a nudge on the charts. Right. So here it is what it is because the charts are pretty small. You can do okay. In Ireland, I was pretty happy because it went to number thirteen and stayed there for a little bit. And that's a it's it's a tough chart to get into because it's a lot it's a lot busier. Right. Um, and then as singles, some of the singles did well. So. Yeah, actually, the album did well on Oman, but again, I don't really, like, I'm really grateful for every listener in Oman, but to make the top 10 in Oman is not like making the top 100 charts in Australia, for example. Right. So I don't get too caught up. You might see a post about it on stories or something, but I'm not, like, high-fiving myself because of that, because in reality, it could be hey, 15... no disrespect to no, our Omani listeners, right? 100%. <laughs> like, if you're in Muscat digging what I'm doing, thank you. <laughs> But if some, let's say if they sell 10 copies in two days, there's a good chance I'll make the top 20. Gotcha, yeah. And like literally 10 copies. Right. So I'm not doing backflips. Right. <laughs> when yeah, the yeah. Billboard dance charts in the US, when that happened, okay, then I was like definitely high-fiving myself. And then when like one of the singles went to number nine in Denmark and yeah, top 20 in Australia. But in Australia, it was just the dance charts. Right. So like... It's all good. It's all super positive. Like, mm. but I'm not like thinking all of a sudden I'm the next whoever rudimental. Right. But right. Yeah. but does that come through the, the charting? Is it through stream or actual digital purchases? Purchases. Okay. Um, like for iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Then like the here one of the tracks was like trending on Angami, and that's through streams. Okay. Okay. Um, and then like there's a one on Spotify mm-hmm. that if it's doing really well, it gets picked up onto a playlist. I forget what it is. Yeah. yeah I should okay. know more, but I don't. Right. One of the ones went on that. I think it was on there for a few hours, and it really just bloomed. Mm-hmm. Like maybe ten thousand plays in like four or five hours. Mm-hmm. Nice. Whereas for me, ten thousand plays is normally what I would get in a week. Mm-hmm. So. You guys, I mean, uh, last time we spoke, you had just also dropped your albums, your album. And it's interesting to me that 
there's what six seven months uh, between when you guys released yours and when you just released uh, yours in the last month as well and it's interesting to me to see the approach of how both um, artists took um, to how to release their album and how to make a viable um, sales or business function out of that so I think one way I wanted to would you use the word viable <laughs> so that's the thing. That's why I'm trying to say. I wouldn't. I, I know there's a lot of people who want to get into the music business, and they it's a passion that they want to turn into. Not just like you said, it's not a hobby. It's you want to turn into an actual career, right? So, you know, we live in Dubai, um, and it's hard as it is globally. But even in a in a place where maybe the music scene isn't as um, established as it is in Los Angeles or wherever around the world, how do you how do you make that struggle actually come into fruition? You know, and I maybe start with you because you know you've had that you've had your opinions back then, and I want to see how that evolved, and then maybe we take it to Sean as well. Well, so we released our album, okay, and I think it goes back to what Sean said is. Uh, it's really tough to to put out a product and then realize that there's a lot more work that needs to be done. Um, I think there were mistakes made again when we put out the album, and uh, and it, and it like it's exactly what what Sean said. You're like shit, man. Now I gotta go and do the business side of this, okay? But I've just spent so long getting this put out. I mean, all the way down to the mastering. You know, it's. It's just so tedious, you know? And then you're like, okay, now I gotta do this. But the different, I guess it's harder with us because we're not signed to anybody. We don't have anyone looking after that side of things. You know? right. So it's really all all comes down to our hands. And after a while, especially here, with our day jobs and our lives and stuff like that, it sort of, it just becomes, you know, and then you're just hoping, shit, I hope some of this album picks up somewhere and people dig it and stuff. And then a lot of stuff comes down again to budgets, um, and, and how much you have to put behind that album. Um, so, in terms of being here, and is it any different from being out in the in the U.S. or Europe? I don't think it's really any different nowadays okay. because we all have it on our computer, and we all have that reach and that access to be able to do it. It's just a matter of doing it right. and finding the right way to do it. You know, right. through uh, through what maybe if you're with a label, you have a bit more guidance. You know, it doesn't guarantee your song is going to get picked up because right. trash is trash. You know, but I mean, they might guide you in in the correct way. Whereas we've had to sort of like try different ways. So with the when the album came out, now we have a new single that came out last week. So we're applying everything to the single mm. that we didn't apply to the album, right. and it's had a huge response um, in places we didn't have in the last album in the, in the album. Do you find the recipe is? A little bit more controversial than what we see today in the um, in the music scene, and the reason I say this is because, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of, and you know, Sean, we had these discussions before, and I see a lot of like young artists, um, you know, they're playing shows, they're they're picking up, they're, but it's not anywhere in the vein of the recipe. You know, I, I don't see a hip hop outfit that is is as talented, is as accomplished, if you will. Um, what's the reason that, you know, in your mind, mm. you haven't followed in the footsteps of, like, the Universals or the, that pick up this bunch of artists and... I mean... What is the, what is your view on that? I mean... I'm sure the opportunity's been there to sign with the majors. Yeah. Not, not I'm sure, I know that the opportunity's yeah. been there and you guys have... Well, the question is, what... Is well, there I mean, a, look, to follow in with, with whatever is going on, you don't want to see me at 33 years old with purple dreads and tattoos on my face, mm. you know, and, oh, and mind. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and cloud chasing and, and and doing what's popular right now, right? Because yeah, I could, I could do it, but who's gonna buy into that? Right, you know right. what I mean? When yeah. you have an actual seventeen-year-old who grew up in that, you know, I grew up where I grew up in, in what I grew up in in the culture, and it's my job to to stick with what I know, but try find a balance between yesterday and today and right. that's what we do as the recipes we try to find a balance between what we love to do and what's happening today um, I'm not gonna make that record unfortunately and I'm not gonna do what's happening in the industry right now I mean the industry right now I feel like in hip-hop I'm talking about is it's not even about the music mm. it's about what you can do on Instagram right you know it's about it's this cloud chasing thing it's about how can I shock the world on Instagram 
You know, you had a guy the other day on Instagram, what's his name, Boom Boom Gang. Okay. You know, this young boy that literally went from four to five point four million to five million followers on Instagram in less than eight hours because he put up a live video of him having sex. Wow. Fully. Damn. Fully. I'm, I'm talking about fully, fully, fully everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. And no one talks about his music. Everyone was just talking about what he did on there and his stock rise. And then I have kids messaging me saying, I think I should sell out. And I think I should do what these guys are doing. That's very interesting. And I'm just like, well, whatever, you know? I'm going to make music. You know? it's, it's how desperate are you? Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. Like no way. Yeah, and you know, and and you you have these 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 kids dying, and these kids getting killed, and kids getting shot, and all this kind of stuff happening, over antics. You know what I mean? Like over over silly stuff that is just just to get attention. You right. Know? And it's and I can't do that. Right. Doing the impossible yeah. on social platforms so yeah. you could you know gain that. And I can't fit that mold because I'm not from that time right you know even holding a camera I don't even like taking a selfie video when all my videos when I talk are facing that way right because it's just not in me right to, to do that so I, we try to find have to try to find a balance and, and that's why we haven't really so I wouldn't say we're controversial because controversial stuff now is super controversial right, right it's right, making right. your own videos getting you know it's having sex and whatever running down the street with an AK-47 in your boxers getting tattoos all over your face when you don't have a single tattoo in your body right you know but that's what people are looking for now it's breaking through that um, clutter yeah. of uh, do you think though that like from obviously I'm not involved in hip hop mm -hmm. so but I've seen from the outside it seems to have gone from where the beats and the music were just the medium and what you were really made a good hip hop track back in the day was your lyrical content mm -hmm. And then it kind of started to get more musical and more musical. Like you listen to 2001 by Dre. Mm. So some of the lyrical content is good, but what stands out that whole album is the production is mm -hmm. absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Now you've got someone like um, Post Malone or any of these guys. And if you don't listen to the words, it's quite melodic and it's quite easy. And it's basically a nice very homogenous pop music mm -hmm. like and I'm from pop music so I'm like I don't mind that mm -hmm. but for it to be called hip hop I'm like there's no lyrical content here that really is challenging anything or is really I'm no better off having listened to that three and a half minutes than I was at the beginning mm -hmm. and it seems to be getting more ridiculous like what you were saying but I do also see the pendulum starting to swing like I don't think Kendrick would have made it 10 years ago when it was not so far about the mumble rap and the rubbish but now people are looking for something more substantial so the biggest names are him and J. Cole and people like that and you go well, their production of course it's really really good but it's more about what they're saying and how they're saying it so I do have a, a bit of hope that yeah. hip hop's starting to come right even yeah. though it sounds on the outer on the periphery it looks like it's getting more ridiculous I do see it shifting towards the lyrics being more important again yeah, mm -hmm. I mean I've, I've always spoken about I mean we see it getting more ridiculous we see it being mumble whatever they want to define it as you know I have no problem with that music at all and we see it everyone's like oh it's dying hip hop is gone hip hop is this hip hop is trash but it's not really we just see it because it's dominating Instagram it's dominating Facebook it's dominating these channels but there's so much other great stuff coming out and that's what exactly what I feel these artists are they're Instagram artists you know they're they're social media artists mm. that I mean and then you have but when, when you think about it over the last five years whatever it is the top selling albums are coming from lyricists yeah you know the ones that are making the charts that are taking the awards that are selling millions of copies is your J. Cole's your Kendrick's um and guys like this, I mean, De La Soul went number one, mm. you know, like, yeah. who would have thought, right. you know, and it's these, because I feel there's a few reasons for it, I mean, it's the purchasing power too, you know, of, right. of, of people that are a bit older and they want more, and they can't relate to, a, good point. to a young boy right. um, doing his thing, so, you know, we're spending and we're using these platforms, um, Spotify or Apple, whatever, I have a card, that's why I can use it, yeah. whereas these young boys, they have SoundCloud, you know, because they don't have money so these soundcloud artists are blowing up and most of these new kids are soundcloud artists it's a very interesting uh, segue to to the youtube discussion right mm -hmm. so so you're saying people who are a little bit older have more purchasing power mm -hmm. um but then the younger audience which i think a lot of brands and a lot of money goes behind those artists because they have 
huge channels on YouTube, you know, you see hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views per video uh, listen because that's where people consume music, right? A lot of people consume music on, on these services like YouTube or streaming services as well. It seems to me that that has become much more important than the actual sale of an of a MP3 file uh, or a download or a CD, right? Yeah. yeah. I, haven't, I haven't purchased an album in, in God knows how long. Same here, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I used to make digital purchases until Apple Music started because I use, I use Apple. Now I just save and download whatever, whatever. I pay my monthly fee. Yeah. Um, but I actually haven't made a physical... I don't even think I bought my, my record. You know, like I just, you know, like it's <laughs> my own record. Like I, I sure as shit did get up the charts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think, yeah, Got my wife to buy a copy too. <laughs> I was trying to find a way where we could send it out to everybody as a gift. You know, like here you go, hundred people get a free yeah. copy. You know, just just buy it, just buy it. Here's a here's a coupon or whatever. But it's yeah, it's tough. yeah. And what I mean for you as well, do you? Do you put that much because you put so much effort in pushing your your album and pushing downloads and so on? But are you putting that much effort in growing your YouTube presence and your social platforms? Because nah. really, that's where the that's where the money is, right? I think most of if I look at the three videos or the four videos from the album, I think between all four, so one is just over hundred thousand views, one is let's say seventy thousand views, and the other is like maybe the turbo. 35 and 50 or something like this right um, there's been a little I mean a little bit of money going into those because obviously that's reflected in the numbers you try to balance between organic and paid mm. you don't want to have 100,000 views and 3 likes yeah very true because or no very comments true. or whatever mm. um, but for me I'm not really that pushed what the medium is um, videos are an expensive way to get engagement not just from having to get the album promoted but create the actual video um, and that's something I've been slow to do now for this video luckily there's been some legends that have like really helped um, and they are they are <laughs> Barry are who comes to carnivores uh-huh. <laughs> Barry he's been a champion had these brothers shot the one we did in the video yeah. and then two of the videos were done by a guy called Nicholas R. Um, Kelsmith he, I found him on Instagram he was shooting this really cool stuff for Texas University's football team but it was real arty like you know of jocks smashing the crap out of each other so I hit him up on Instagram and I was like you know what do you think and he did like two videos for like not that much Mm. Um, but the quality was uh, it's good like it's not like um, I'm not going to win an Oscar Uh, (laughs) it's not going to get me like a ticket to the MTV Music Awards but it's a lot the sum is a lot more what came out of it was a lot more that went into it like he's a talented guy Um, and even the people that were in the video they all reached out like again on Instagram they happened to live in the same town and I just like put those together we chatted about a storyboard and I got a video back and they did it again just for being in the video for shits and giggles Mm. Um, but I haven't really invested like the way you guys have with the 360 videos Mm. or yeah that was you guys have really put some effort into YouTube, yeah. and I'm guessing that's reflected in the numbers. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we got lucky um, that we were surrounded with great people that, that really helped us. And, uh, I mean, a shout-out to Collective um, and, you know, to the guys that do the kind. Mm-hmm. So it's Omar, Reem, and all those guys. You know, we've known them for a long time, so all of our big-budget videos went through them, mm-hmm. um, where we only really had to pay for the bare minimum. No, the studio rental, the camera equipment, and everything else was was FOC. You know, even the That's edits, really even the edits, and so we really appreciate um, that. You know, but then even now, for the last few, we've moved away from that completely, and we're shooting everything on our phones. You yeah. Know, um, on whatever, something you know, super quick. You know, um, because now it's not about the big one now it's about doing as many as possible gotcha you know and uh, doing things quick just as just as something to support your release and to support something visual to support your content and just keeps keep things going um, so that's something we're trying uh, the big budget videos it's crazy man. you put in that much money we look back and how much we spent on those videos and I'm like <laughs> what the hell was, was it worth doing? it 
it's worth it in the sense that we have an amazing collection of videos right <laughs> you know yeah, to, to look back on to if you said listen don't touch that money yeah. and pump it now into oh, yeah, oh, yeah. the pure because now like people are a bit further on and they're like well this is how I could spend that money differently mm. I sat down with a guy and he was telling me he was putting 180,000 dirhams into a video Jeez, man. I was like you are an absolute idiot. Like, <laughs> absolute idiot. I hope you fail. Like, like really. Like, and it's not even out of jealousy. This is out of somebody so stupid shouldn't succeed. Right, like, yeah. if you're putting that much money, like, this should be your ticket to the top. Well, I see some because really... Because from radio pluggers, from PR, from getting high-profile remixers, from everything... Right, and he's blowing it on a video. Yeah, like you're an absolute idiot. It's a very old. It's a very old, old school way, right? Yeah, that was a, that was the thing back in the day, right? Let's make a cool video, and people are going to be like, "Wow, you know." Unless he I comes out it. with like the Departed, yeah. or something like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just go home. Like. You know, it's for me, it's fascinating, right? So you look at uh, where the industry was, let's say, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, and it was a very centralized industry, you know? Like, you're only in, there's a lot of gatekeepers who allow you in and almost, like, remove that red ribbon and, welcome, Sean, you know? Like, you're now part of the elite club that has a record label and has a, uh, sorry, record deal and has a uh, video on MTV and, and then you're going to tour the world and so on. You think that's still not the case? I don't I know. I don't think that's the case, 100%. though. 100%. Why, though? Like, because today it, it's like this big, like the people that actually matter in the industry. It's I think I think I don't yeah. Know, it's but today I, the gatekeepers aren't there anymore. No, no, one hundred percent. The gatekeepers are there, but they're invisible. So I don't mean invisible. I mean it's harder to reach them. So if I want to get on New Music Friday, on Spotify, I have to make sure my track gets on to the desk of the right person with him getting the right or she getting the right background information about who I am, and I'm hoping that they got out of the right side of the bed that day. So for example. If I managed to do all of that, and the guy on the way to the office or the girl drove over their cat, crashed their car, somebody robbed their laptop when they're at the lights, come in and they're like, okay, listen, here's this track. I'm like, you know what, fuck that track. Like, I've got way better shit going on. Right. I'm not on the playlist. I'm not getting my numbers. Or the guy wakes up in the morning, himself and the wife have a good time, <laughs> goes downstairs, pancakes on the table, goes to work, there's no traffic, goes in, gets a parking spot beside the door, life is good. Oh, this, this song's amazing. Let's put it on top of the playlist. Right. It's hey. a different gatekeeper. So, and each platform has the gatekeepers, um, whether it be Apple or Spotify or Ngami. Now, we're a little bit lucky here, I think, because Ngami are based here, pretty much in the UAE. Right. Ngami, for whoever don't know, Ngami is a streaming service just like um, Apple Music, Spotify, but yeah, yeah. based in the Middle East and Africa. Yeah. For sure. So, these guys are a bit more accessible and they can help now Apple are great here but I guess they don't have the same penetration in terms of uh, number of users and they've probably got a smaller editorial team now the guys are great and personally I get a lot of support from these guys as well mm. Spotify are about to open I think their big challenge is connecting with local artists and for because if the creative community are pushing it then it'll probably do very well right but it, you're as good as those connections are and how much they kind of believe in you as well mm. but if I'm a guy in my bedroom I don't get out very much and I'm trying to make a, a hit record and even if the record is amazing how do I get it even to the editorial team at those different platforms gotcha mm. and if you don't well then your record ain't going to do anything well to me the main gatekeeper today today is you don't have the A&R guy or whoever you have the algorithms they're your main gatekeeper, right? So that's what I mean. I mean that if you put a music out on YouTube and that picks up, it doesn't matter who's sitting on Spotify. It's 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 the people who decide whether you have a good song or not. No, that's even a whole different set of gatekeepers. Okay, so if interesting. I, if I put something on YouTube, okay, great. My channel, let's say, has, I don't know why I have many subscribers, not many. However, so now I'm going to go, well, if I want people to hear it, I need to go to a channel with a million subscribers. So now they're the gatekeeper. So I don't know the names of these channels, but I should do because this is something I should have done. But I'll go red, guys, and then I have to bend over by saying, I'll give you my video on your channel as an exclusive or whatever it is. So they get to monetize your video in order to get your track heard. Right. So now you're not even getting paid off your own music. Mm. 
so it's just a, it's just a different set of gatekeepers. True, but let's just say you have this amazing cover slash mashup song, and you put it out there, and it's well, I can't monetize it anyway because it's not my music. Well, okay, fine, fine. Let's say you have a great song. Hey, you wrote, you and don't, you don't have to be hypothetical. We have great songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The recipe does. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'm saying one of the songs because you have a lot of very catchy melodic music, right, that you put out there, and and same goes for the recipe, right? Like he has a lot of relatable content that you guys put out there as well. So what I'm saying is that you don't need a record label to tell you, yes, we'll make a video for you. Yes, we're going to put it up on MTV. Your MTV today is YouTube. That's my point. I, I think that the process has become MTV, less centralized. Imagine MTV was broadcast into four houses. How big of a deal is it then? Right. So unless you have the audience belonging to that channel, the process, it's like, did you ever hear the guy who traded a paperclip for a house? No. So he basically. <laughs> this. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing massively, and yeah, I yeah. get a lot of the details wrong. But he had a paperclip, and then he traded it for something smaller, and traded it for something smaller, and he kept trading. He traded for a holiday, and then event traded for a small crappy car, and then kept upgrading till eventually he got a house, with no cash changing hands. Okay. But it took years. I feel like that's one of those stories you tell kids to. No, no, this is so the, they can it, believe in themselves. No, it's, <laughs> a, it's a legit story, just okay. like a hustler. I'll send you a link. And with the algorithms, when you're starting off such a small base. They don't go, oh my God, 15 people are watching this video right now. Let's put it to the top of the algorithm. Like, it doesn't work like this. Yes, I, I see your point. <laughs> so you have to go to who's looking at these channels, and then you probably have to give them a, a version without, like, your videos to so just um, a still image, give it to them hope that triggers enough interest that people then find you, subscribe to your channel, and then you build yourself slowly. So it's a... It's, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle, yeah, for sure. It's a hustle. Yeah, it's a, this isn't me having a, uh, having a bitch or a complaint, but this is just the reality of it. It's not like right. gatekeepers have dis disappeared. The other thing to consider is when I was releasing like just pure like dance music, the guys I talked to the guys at Beatport at, at one of the music conferences, and he was like, dude, we have 8,000 songs a week in your genre. Whoa. You're like, all right. 8,000. So now... The freedom, the low barriers to entry means low, there's no, I can put up absolute rubbish. Doesn't right. mean, just because low barriers to entry means my dog can put out a track. Like, sort of a talented dog. <laughs> yeah, he's, to be honest, he'd do better. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not that bad. But I guess the point is, at some point, there becomes too much information. Right, yeah. So you need trusted curators to sift through the shit, and they'll use their relationships of, okay, this guy only sends me rubbish, I'm going to delete his emails. This guy only sends me great. This girl always sends me hits, I'm going to include her stuff. Mm. So it's a funnel of curation, again, that goes through because the reduction of barriers has meant more participants and more participants isn't necessarily a good thing right yeah that's true i mean i just saw a video that uh, a very prominent vlogger had uh, released last week i don't know if i should name this vlogger but anyway don't i lasted 10 seconds and i could i was like i can't do this but because this guy has millions of followers and released a hip-hop song and it just hit like it, it got a lot of views and it was trending on YouTube and and I guess this goes back to what you were saying last time we were talking about is that there's so much content coming out there and it kind of drowns out to your point the the good stuff that's that's being put out there. Yeah, um, it does. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, so that's why I'm Woo! quiet. <laughs> that's why I'm quiet. You know, but um, you guys have a hustle in this game, so I mean, I'm just probably yeah. idealistic, but yeah, I'd love I mean, to know what you what you think. I don't know. I just think there's there's so much. You can all the hate can come in, and all the disagreement can come in, or whatever. I just think there's so much that people don't know about uh, that goes on behind the scenes that it's not even about making music. Really? Um, like, I mean, that's interesting. I, I found that you know, twenty percent of it is making music, you know, and eighty percent of it is the rest of the shit that. You know, these guys, I saw the comments, I saw the comments, don't get me wrong. And then people are saying, oh, no, if you have good music, people will listen, you just got to keep plugging away, you got to keep following your dream, you got to do all that stuff. Yeah, cool, man. <laughs> cool, do that, man. But that's why, as I said, there's just funnel right. of people, you know, you start off like this and then it ends up like this. People drop off after a year or two, people, whatever. There's just so much more to it than actually making music. Don't get me wrong, your music should be dope. And it should be good because at the end of the day the listener is going to tune in but there are also people that aren't good and aren't dope that have found the right formula and found the right way that are, that are, that are going through you know um, so I agree with everything you say and me personally 
I think that at some stage, especially if you're self-managed and you're not, uh, which I think is a lot of artists nowadays, I think it's more, it becomes less and less about the music mm. and it's more about the business side. But bearing in mind, you have to make good music. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's for everyone, even if you're with a label. Like, I know when I signed my deal, one of the things that were very quick to say was, this ain't going to make you famous. Yeah. This is just access to channels and those channels you can drive up and down those channels as much as you want but we're not going to be the ones driving mm-hmm. and it was very refreshing because I think a lot of people are like oh my god it's signed to a major and it's like well is it like no like it is but at the same time you know you're not sitting down you're sitting back on your deck chair go guys tell me how I'm doing like that's not it at all like you can there are an extra pair of hands to help drive whatever it is that you want driven but it's unrealistic to think that you're going to give your music to somebody else and they're going to care more about it than you do. True. Yeah, because, I mean, well, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. And because, I mean, they have their, it, it's not really worth it for them Yeah. sometimes to put all the money behind it because, oh, of, the, sure. because of the streaming value. I mean, we sat with a label. Um, what do you mean streaming value? Like, for them to invest all this money into you mm-hmm. and they're getting a percentage of your sales and stuff. Uh-huh. It doesn't. It doesn't add up okay. for them, you know. Unless you're, I guess, unless you're touring the world and doing concert venues and stuff like that, it doesn't really add up for the label to to dump money. And so, like, I sat with the label with Suerte um, recently, and they said the same thing. They yeah. said the same thing. So our debate afterwards was, so between us and the group was, look, if we go with these guys, our only thing that we we, we actually cared about was. Would they make the would it would they help us open doors easier? Mm. Would it be easier, for example, like you said, when you go to a curator, when you go to a, a playlist person? For this, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Would would something coming from uh, Def Jam, for example, open a door quicker than me trying to knock on a door? The answer is yes. Mm. Okay, definitely yes. But then you gotta. But then again, it comes down to the music again. It comes yeah. down to the editor's choice because. Even the label says to you, hey, we can't guarantee it. You know, like, we, we have to deal with these people also, and they might turn around and say, no, sorry, excuse me. It's all good. silent. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so. Yeah, that's the one massive opener for me was, like, the music didn't change when all of a sudden I decided to go with the label. Like, it's, yeah. Um, but when I started approaching people to, let's say, collaborate on the label, they're like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm this, this is what I've done, and I'm putting it out, it'll be out on Universal Music, and all of a sudden they're like, what? You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, because for like for me, the name carries a lot of weight from when you grow up, most of, most of my favorite artists were like, there's probably two major labels, or like until, let's say, mid-90s, like, but yeah, it, so it made it, it opened up a lot more doors in terms of getting talent involved, it opened up a lot more doors in terms of getting editorial from, mm. uh, let's say, the likes of Angami or, or well, maybe a Spotify a little bit, or definitely Apple. Um, but uh, it sort of gives you yeah. that stamp, right? It gives yeah, you that, that I, I guess people trust that. Okay, well, these guys don't generally waste their time, mm. so it kind of acts as a, a small filtration process. Mm. Now, there's no guarantee that the person at the other end agrees with their ears but at least they know that somebody else has listened and said it's worth us attaching our name to it it's very interesting that now that we're mentioning all these entities like Universal um, and Rami Apple Music Spotify opening in the Middle East in a few months um, that seems to me that the infrastructure is really getting built because you have all these companies now coming in and they're like well we want artists from this region to sign up to our platforms right that's, that's not the infrastructure that's missing The infrastructure that's missing is booking agents, talent managers, um, and and then from the other side of things, from the business side of things, the people that the booking agents talk to, so the people that work for the venues or the whatever, the Mm. brands. So at the moment, what you probably have is a brand reaching directly out to an artist. Right. And then... It's kind of like a, well, if you don't deal, I'll go somewhere else. Right. And there might be, unless you're dealing with a brand that's a bit philanthropic, that has an overall trying to do something not just, cor- obviously for corporate good, but to see beyond that as well a little bit, then you're kind of sometimes dealing with brands that are just trying to get a quick, just cannibalize on your social media or your 
success right. for a snapshot so they can put a little screenshot in a presentation at the end of the month. Mm. The, and they don't really give a shit right. yeah. for right. a lot of brands. And what you're missing then is that person who will kind of... The artist should be doing what the artist should be doing, which is writing music. The manager should be saying, listen, hey guys, that's the music you go, I think we should go with this single, what do you guys think? This is a really good way to go to market, these are the platforms I think we should we should look at, and kind of helping arrange the team around that. And then you've got the booking agent who should have nothing to do with the creative process, and they should talk to the manager, this gig makes sense, this doesn't get, make sense, we should take a smaller fee for this because of the, out, the media output, or a bigger fee for this because it's a crap gig. Like, that hole doesn't exist. It'll be like, hey, can you warm up for X? Mm. Which... You know, it's just that side of the infrastructure is non-existent. Right, right. True, very true. And that would help reduce the artist's role in all that 80% we were talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's available everywhere else. It's just not available here. Yeah. Is it because artists don't continue, so their momentum sort of like burns out quite quickly? Something that I've noticed maybe is a lot of artists, and I think this goes back to your pyramid, mm or hierarchy that you were talking yeah, about yeah. the funnel sorry the yeah. funnel that you were talking about maybe when you when you elaborate on this maybe just talk about the funnel a little bit but uh, it seems to me that a lot of people fizzle out of the scene quite quickly mm-hmm. so there's no viable business on the other side mm-hmm. um, for the booking agents and so on to actually invest in a local scene so what they do is you see our, our live music scene in terms of international artists is quite vibrant in the UAE right I mean uh, and across the region and, and to some degree uh, like in Lebanon and, uh, and, and maybe a little bit in Jordan as well um, so maybe that's the reason they see the opportunity abroad but when it comes to translating to a regional level the funnel sort of starts fizzling out quickly I think there's two things to that here um, I think with the whole funnel thing what I was saying before was You know, there's a lot of people that start out wanting to do something and then it just, over the years, people just drop off for whatever reasons it it may be. Give up hope, it's not working, family, life, commitments, whatever it is. It happened in our own group. We started off as 13 people. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, The recipe started off as 13 people, now we're three. You know, so, um, but I don't think that just relates to music. I think that's everything in life. You want to be a soccer player, there's a million soccer players, you know, and the ones that keep pushing through and, and grinding through and working and everything, you know, eventually... The ones that really want it, the ones that keep doing it, are the ones that are gonna, are gonna get through. That's true. You know, so that's why when I talk to all these artists, you know, there's only very few artists that understand what I'm saying. They agree because they're in, in they they understand. They've been through this process. They know what's going on. Yeah, right. You know, but I think there's two two sides to that. I mean, you have yes, you have people falling off. Okay, um, there's a lot of people falling off here doing that. But there's also another side of it, which I think is just people don't give a fuck. Mm. A okay, I think. Dubai is a very unique city, okay? I've been here for 30, 29 years, okay? 30 years going in the next few months, okay? And one thing I've learned about this place is no one stays, Mm. all right? So no one cares about this place. No one gives a shit except for the people like us that have been here. We went to school. You went to school here, Mm. you know? Or or the people that have come here and genuinely want to make this home. Then they start making change. But then there's but the vast majority of people, they come here before they even land. They're talking about when they leave. Don't get me wrong. There's some great work being done here by people that have been here, and most of it is by people that have been here or want to make this home, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 really develop the scene. But it takes a lot longer than everywhere else. Right. Because so you're talking in the context of the music scene and and how that affects the growing yeah, it, of that scene. It it affects it because. Dude, we have a five-page spread in Time Out magazine, for example, all right? One year later, we release a project. We email them and be like, hey, we release a project. And the guy's like, who the fuck are you? Mm. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, just Google us. You have an archive, a database of your past articles. He's like, oh, we don't know who you are. The person that handled music left. Ah, I see. You know? And, and it's just this constant thing you're, you're dealing with, you know? It's an interesting insight. I mean... I agree uh, and disagree. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that... Like, if I look at, sorry, there's parts of it. So if I look at myself, when I came here, I was like, I'm only going to come for a couple of years, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But now, actually, let me rewind a bit. For me, the whole notion of a scene is a, uh, is a collection of people pursuing their own dreams. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are doing something so I can, I'm really trying to make it so I can build the scene. I think that notion is, it's, it's, it's not true. Like, I think 
we will have a scene when we have enough people doing their own things and then we will bounce off each other blah blah blah, blah. but essentially it's people doing their own thing mm-hmm. so I'm here for let's say we said two years it's now five years and yeah. we've no intention of going anywhere we just bought a house mm-hmm. exactly so you've made it home but, but yeah. yeah no for sure yeah. but at the same time let's say if I did only go for two years I'd still bust my balls to build myself here and then by association I might work with this person or this person and I would be a part of the scene and being a part of it would contribute to it but I do know that then when you leave you hope then somebody takes your place but I, I don't think the problems that we're talking about you know about people not caring I think this is just a city problem so before this I was in Sydney and even like Dublin or I was in Brisbane before that and then Dublin before that that I think these big cities are where people kind of come mm-hmm. try to make the money and leave maybe it's exacerbated or it's louder in Dubai because it's the, the call of the money is probably a bit more global mm-hmm. but I, st- I just think they're big cities like if I go to London I'm still going to have somebody steal from me I'm still going to have somebody uh, screw me yeah, over yeah. I'm still going to have somebody leave and then go back to Newcastle or go back to Amsterdam or wherever it is they're from um, so I don't think these problems are unique to Dubai I think they're just city based problems Right. and for me the issue with the scene in Dubai it's not that there's a good scene or a bad scene it's just not big enough mm. I think the talent that we have here rivals at the top level anywhere in the world it's just not enough of it. So right. if you look at someone like, I mentioned this the other day on Dance FM, you've got someone like Jay Wood, who played in a venue I know in Ireland called the Tivoli. One of the best venues in the country, kick-ass venue. And by the photos and by all accounts of people that were there, they absolutely nailed it. Mm-hmm. Now to the Irish crowd, they don't care where they're from. They just know that it's an international band coming here, ripping the place apart. Mm-hmm. Now, is there another Jay Wood in the country? Like that band? No. But if I was in Dublin, he wouldn't stand out as like being below talent. They'd be at least at the very best of the talent that's there. But there might be seven or eight other bands of that level there as well to help keep pushing them. Mm. Like, if I go to London, is there a group as good as a recipe? Potentially. There might be ten, and you guys are all at the same level. Mm. But here, there's if I think of anybody else, they're kind of either slightly in a different genre, but there's nobody doing what you guys do. There isn't that depth per mm. genre. Yeah, yeah, agreed. If I think of electronic producers... It's probably this holophonic Scott Forshaw myself there's, and then there's guys who are really just doing like house music and stuff like this but we're kind of doing the more poppy end of stuff mm-hmm. in London we'd get lost but, but do you think that comes down to the problem of that people are here for such a short period that they're like I'm not here to make music no, I'm I not here to do that I, I, I mean I, luckily for, us, for, for some you have a music passion and you and you, you, you keep going while you're working and trying to survive and do your thing but then do you think the people that actually really want to do music and have stayed home. I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think that when you determine what your passions are going to be in life, you're probably from the ages of like 15 to 21, 22, mm. and this is the real aspirational ages. People generally will get here once they've done their education, maybe got a couple of years of work experience on their belt, and move here. And that's the period of life when people start to drop out. Like you know, when you're 27, 28, and you move to Dubai. Mm you're not really going to go now I'm going to pursue my musical passion it's like no yeah. like you've got a visa you've got a job you like that, you're yeah. an adult now you've got to start doing adult stuff right, it's yeah. tough to balance everything like family relationships work and music so I think it's easier to balance it when you've got less things to balance and that's when you're like 15, 16, 17, 18 right up to tw- when you leave university mm-hmm. and here I think we're missing that chunk of population because the vast majority of people are expats and you're not going to hire people straight out of uni you want them to have a couple of years under the belt most industries and then by the time they get here it's normally at the age in these cities when people start to drop off anyway mm. like if you look at the people that are out seven nights a week in London they're not our age like they're 21 mm. and they're smashing it and they're like a rubber ball it's like they never went out last night and they're back up again the next day right. and they're doing the same thing and they're keeping the community they're not worried about having money for their mortgage or their DWA bill or whatever it's an age thing and I think the problem with this scene here is a uh, it's a demographic problem as opposed to an attitude or anything else. I just mm. think that we're missing that section of society. Even the people that were born here, a lot of them seem to go overseas for university before coming back. Mm. University are the wildest years of your life. This mm. is when you do the most crazy crap and the um, rooming with you, you're into music. Like I got into music from rooming with a guy in Australia. Mm. Like I was always into it, but I was always just DJing. I was never producing. Right. And it was my roommate that got me into it. And I think when you're doing your education overseas when you're that age the whole city misses out 
Yeah. And that's my take on yeah, why I think, the scene I think, is missing. I think that's I think it's very it's correct, but I think it's changing slightly now with yeah. the young boys. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, you got the the guys like Namdi and you know you know um, Men and, and and Izzy and these kids that grew up here. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bigger population of people that grew up here now. Like when I when I look at someone like an artist like Menon, for example, and I see his post saying he was born here and raised here, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, okay, cool. There was less of that. I didn't realize that, but you know, but then you see them with their whole circle. They go out and these kids are singing along to their music and all this stuff, and they also all grew up here. Right. So That's slowly. exactly it. I yeah. think you give this place 10 years, because even just not even like with hip hop, you look at indie music, mm. Saffron Collins. So she was born and raised here. You got Vandalai, those guys I think were either born here or moved here when they were like, whatever, before mm. they were walking. And their the whole lives have been this country. So this is how the scene naturally grows. It's a very interesting, unique uh, group of people, you know, and uh, and I think what you're saying, there's a truth to it. I mean, obviously, there's an insight to this that's, uh, that was really, really true, um, more so, I think, maybe five, six, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think to Sean's point, it is sort of leveling. balancing out, yeah, yeah leveling out. Um, think about it. Dubai really came into its own at the beginning of the 90s let's say 91, sure. 92 and people started to flock here exactly. and now those people have made Dubai their home and now their kids are getting born exactly exactly my so thoughts. maybe I'm speaking one generation out there I think exactly my thoughts I think the generation we've just, we just well, missed the boat yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right there's a there's a new generation of people who moved here in the 90s mm-hmm. they grew up they started having kids and and you're going to start seeing a different uh, sort of generation 100%. brought up here they're not as flexible so what I mean by that is when times are good people come in when times are bad people leave these guys are born here. This is their home. They're and here. They're gonna stay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So and that's. And I look at myself as an example for that, right? Because I've been here for twenty something years. And forty years. Don't lie. <laughs> like, 40, like he's telling lies. It's forty years he's been here. Forty years. He moved here when he was eleven. <laughs> Thirteen. But uh, but like to me, it's almost a home, right? I mean, I'm not from here, but still, it's almost a home, and uh, and it's just interesting that you were born we, here. I wasn't born here. Oh, no. you weren't. Oh, sorry, no, no. sorry. But, but I came here at a very young age, yeah. like the guy from Vandalay yeah. and <laughs> 11. And yeah, it's just it's a home and uh, it's we're the first ge- true generation to actually grow up in this city. And a yeah. lot of people started having kids here and they don't they have like like you you just you just bought a house and you're not planning to go anywhere for the foreseeable future. So, I think stability has become you know, with the new generation has become a thing that people strive for and they want to accomplish. And I think sometimes, yes, some people do come here for a year or two or three and they want to leave. Uh, but the vast majority of people, I think, I think I have no numbers as anecdotal, but mm. I think want to stay. I, but I don't know if, if people want to stay. I know that there is a big group now. Right. A probably, bigger probably a group. A much bigger group than right. I've been here. Um, I'm not sure about people want to stay. I come across people all the time that are like, I want to hear right. my, my bread. I'm out. From yeah. the bread, yeah, yeah, and, I, and you're right. This, I, I mean, you know what? Those people are never going to be feeling the music scene anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's why I sure. feel like they're a majority. Yeah. So that's that's why that's why I feel like they're a majority. So that's why I feel like they do, they they would never. The scene it takes a bit longer, but I think sometimes it's, it's, it's a quality over the quantity. So I look at somebody like Rami Zidane, for example, from Anrami, and he's very very passionate about the music scene. He's very passionate about bringing artists onto Anrami to start streaming and so on. So. I think once you have these key individuals in organizations like that, um, I think that those are the movers. Those are going to probably the people who are going to start really building the infrastructure of the scene mm-hmm. and influence more booking agents and more, you know, the likes. To be like fair, that. yeah, I think Angami are definitely a massive positive. But if I look at what's contributing to the scene, look where we are. We're right in the mix. Right. Nash has been churning out bands here since before I got here right. and long after we leave. So even the other day we were doing a rehearsal here in the other room. You've got uh, Ronnie Afifi, you've got Boyan, you've got Jay Wood. In the other room, there's another band that I didn't know, but were super chill. Mm. And this is what cultivates it, is places like in the mix. Right. And then when it's cultivated a little bit more, then you've got the, you know, the people who are adding the infrastructure getting involved. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. I think this, this place is definitely do its props it's a cool place man it's a cool yeah. place no, I've been here years ago years ago 
Well, the, the, uh, the recipe too, man. Been around for a while. <laughs> too long. 13, 13 people ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Too long. Um, well, guys, uh, speaking of in the mix, um, I think our time up, uh, our time here is uh, up. Um, Hold on, I thought we were supposed to be controversial. We haven't said anything. Exactly. I was just going to say, was there any controversy no, no. today? But honestly, aren't we supposed to get people triggered? Shouldn't we be talking about vegan babies and curing diseases without using medicine? <laughs> cultural appropriation. 100%, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Do you have to say anything about cultural appropriation, Sean? I mean, it I doesn't feel... exist. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sean and I have this conversation uh, quite often. Uh, in in uh, in quarters that are not filmed uh, <laughs> or yeah, recorded, yeah, yeah. but I know Sean is quite opinionated about this topic, so uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's another conversation that uh, should not involve anybody from the recipe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, guys, thank you so much. I really really appreciate it. I think we had a, even though it's uh, shorter than my usual podcast by ten minutes, um, I think this was a really good, profound conversation. Um, I really appreciate and respect both your opinions. So um, thank you so much for taking out some time on your Saturday uh, to come out here to the studio in this insane weather outside. Uh, Really appreciate it. Dude, I was in a storm in Murdoff yesterday, and the roads were flooded. It was (laughs) what insane, dude. It didn't rain on this side of town, right? It's pretty crazy. So I was at IMG World. I came out, and I was like, okay. It's a bit hazy. It's a bit uh, gray. And I just started driving on the highway, and dude, I couldn't see anything. It was just sand everywhere, right? So I was like, okay, it's just sand. 500 kilometer down the road, boom! <laughs> dude, the fucking rain was everywhere, man. Insane, July. Tree, I went got into murder, trees were on the ground. Same all the trees live. had fallen over. Some of the trees fell over where we live. We Only about the desert. I wasn't sure if it happened the rest of the Yeah, place. no, it was it was flooded too. And I had to like reverse out. I couldn't I couldn't drive down the roads in Murdoch because it was too it was too deep for my car. I was like, what the hell is going on? I, I think the key kit key That's takeout what you for me here. Riding in a Lambo, man. It's recipe money. The key takeout for me is is Aaron P Storm from the recipe was in IMG World yesterday. So. I don't know how we ended up there. Well, oh, we were meant to go to Aqu- I'll tell you. We were, I'll tell you just to cover it. We were meant to go to Aquaventure, and then the weather was was shit. IMG World. I don't know, man. I don't it's know how I feel it. about it about that place. <laughs> I feel like I was a bit overage. Maybe. Who would have guessed? You know, you get a theme it, park. You know, you, no, but you feel like a theme park might be. There was like three, two. Good roller coaster. They wouldn't things. let you in the teacups, wouldn't they? Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I get in the simulator, I'm like, oh, cool. And it does nothing. It does nothing but swivel left and right. I look behind me, there's a child this big, scared out of his life, and I'm like, oh, I'm in the wrong place. Right. I gotta go. And now, have we filled up that last 10 minutes for you? <laughs> That's it. That's good, man. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. We'll have you guys again, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, always enjoy talking to you guys. Sean, thanks. You know, it's the first time. Good luck to both of you. And to congrats, man, on everything. You've yeah, man. Congrats to both of you, man. Thank you so much for uh, doing this. And I'm, I'm pretty sure after this, your downloads are going to increase by two or three listeners. So there, <laughs> there you go. If anyone wants to send hate comments to Basil, please send them to me. I'm more than willing to take the comments and, uh, <laughs> and uh, gonna get a few tell comments. you how I feel in my private. In my private <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, man. Thank you.